The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Navigating the journey called life doesn't get any easier as we move through it, but we can learn from what we have within us to make it more enjoyable in the long run. Welcome to Mental Sherpa by Theta Spring. Your host is Alexandra Janelli. In our program, we set out to provide you with the undiscovered wisdom within you to handle even life's bumpy spots. Now, here is the host, founder and practitioner of Theta Spring, Alexandra Janelli. Welcome, everybody. This is your host, Alexandra Janelli, at the Mental Sherpa Show. I'm owner and practitioner and hypnotherapist here in Manhattan at Theta Spring Hypnosis. And today we're going to be talking about money. Everyone wants it, but sometimes it can be really elusive. And we all want to begin to understand where does it go? What is it going on with it? And how do I create a better relationship with money? And what we're going to be working on is that today, is your relationship with money and learning some different tools and techniques that you can utilize each and every day to help you have a better relationship with money. My guest today is Greta Zutz, who is a wonderful financial planner and everything money. Uh, She has helped me greatly as well. Greta and I actually met not too long ago at a networking breakfast where we were talking about what she does and more and more clients have been coming into my office saying, you know, I feel unworthy of money or I don't understand why I can't get ahead or this debt that I have feels overwhelming or I feel like I can't leave my job to do what I love because I have bills. And so one of the questions that comes up a lot that I like to ask clients is, what is your relationship with money? And we actually polled a lot of uh, listeners and friends of ours to get to know what their relationship with money was like. And it ranged from anything from a loving, caring relationship to an abusive one, where it, it's around when you want it and you feel like you work really hard giving, 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 and yet some people feel like they're not allowed to enjoy that relationship of what they've earned and they enjoy. And then there's this guilt around spending the money or spending time with your money. So it's always interesting as we go through this to just take a moment and ask yourself, what is your relationship with money like? And we always uh, invite our listeners to go to the mentalsherpa.com under episode eight to fill out our poll and to send us some information on what your relationship with money is like or to even read about what people have uh, said already. But without further ado, I'd love to uh, introduce my guest, Greta Zutz. Welcome, Greta. Thank you, Alexandra. It is a pleasure to have you here. And I know that you have prepared some great information for us. But what I wanted to start with was having you tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, and how you got into it. Tell us your story. 
Well, thank you again for having me because I think my biggest point, the biggest takeaway, hopefully there'll be more than just this nugget, but the one thing I want clients and anyone to know is the discussion of money is probably the hardest starting point. So that's kind of what we're going to get into today. And I would gladly tell you more about myself. I spent many years in corporate benefits. So it was taking a huge retirement account for executives, maybe putting together a retirement proposal or a benefits proposal, and then delivering it to a company. It was rewarding in a financial sense. It was Mm -hmm. rewarding in a security sense. But I felt soulless and brainless and a little ineffective in my daily life. What do you describe ineffective? Well, I felt that my bank account was growing at this time. This was about 10 years ago. And this was what I had wanted to do. And it was a great position. And everyone said, why would you even leave this corporate job? But it didn't feel like I was really affecting people's lives, nor did it feel rewarding. I was working tirelessly. Uh, let's date myself here on a BlackBerry. Back in those days, kids, yep. we used Blackberries, <laughs> Blackberries for work and then our iPhones for regular stuff. Right. Uh, so working tirelessly on my BlackBerry and solving problems, but at such a high level that I couldn't then help someone who was working at that company choose which benefit was right for them. So it was kind of frustrating. Um, so frustrating, in fact, that I went to my boss Describe my frustrations, and then within three days, had an appointment to meet with his girlfriend at the time, who was a financial planner. I had no intention of working with her as a client. I didn't think I needed it. I was single, no children at the time, no major assets, no major debt. What could I use a planner for? So I reluctantly went to the meeting, and needless to say, it changed my life. She was someone who taught me that money is more than math which is a point we can get into later. It's not logical. It's very emotional to the degree that she, I don't know if she coined the phrase, I'm going to give her credit for saying financial therapy is what a good financial financial planner will do. So we can get back to that point. Make a note. Yep, got it. Noted. For me, though, it was so life-changing to meet with this person who, from a third-party objective, only had my best interests at heart and who wanted to take the time to teach me about things that at that point in my early 30s, I thought I should have already known this. Why don't I know how my credit score works? Why don't I know how my debt is affecting it? How do I apply for things like a mortgage or a loan? Um, How do I max out my corporate benefits? What do I do when I have kids? All these questions about money were something that I didn't feel comfortable going to the closest people in my life, my parents, the significant other, friends and family, but that I wanted advice on. So I started this journey with her reluctantly. I think I even canceled on her the first three to four meetings, which is, which is something that now as a planner, when a client is having that reluctancy to meet with me or cancels a lot and doesn't reschedule, then I will probably send them your way, Alexandra, to work on some other issues. Right. But it's such a good key into yourself to know you just weren't ready yet. Absolutely. But if she hadn't stuck with me and kept approaching it, I not only would have the amazing career I have now, but I wouldn't have been able to help the many people that I've helped along the way. And we can get into some of those. So follow up. From on her end with you was really imperative. And her manner of approaching it from an educational standpoint, a really good planner, even if you think it's something you're not ready to do, and I hear this all the time from clients, well, I'll get rich and then I'll come to you. Well, I'll lose weight and then I'll go to the gym. Right, totally. I'll 
fix my nail biting and quit smoking and then I'll come to you for hypnosis. Or the big one I hear is I'll start dating once I lose the weight. Exactly. And then they do and you still don't go out there. So there's something else going on. That's a very good point. Getting into the, you know, in the future mentality, I'll get there. And really all of a sudden that could be 20 years later and you've got some issues that need to be attended to where if we can go back in time, we right. can fix that. Hindsight's great. Absolutely. Okay. Well, and just going back, a couple more points that, uh, that I want to make around my career path was I never intended to do this for a living. I never intended to quit my corporate job, put myself back through school, get my certifications, live on my savings in New York City for four years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that was an interesting financial move, all while making about zero my first few years in the industry. So all those decisions were really scary. And I call it the um, the jump in leaving security and going towards freedom. It's one of the scariest things in the world. Well, it's so interesting you're saying that. And it just reiterates the point from episode six, where we talked with Tina Zaremba, who also went from being on this parallel path of in corporate world and following her passion, which was voiceover. And she called it sort of the free fall into the unknown and that you almost have to hit that rock bottom place where you don't know what you want to do and sort of let yourself go to explore it. Um, knowing, you know, cause she gave up that security and safety, just realizing it didn't work for her. It works for a lot of people and that's great. Absolutely. And sometimes it takes years. I mean, for her, probably, um, for any of us leaving the security blanket, of a paycheck every week and going into something where you really do have to hustle mm-hmm. is really terrifying. And I do remember at the time speaking to, um, I think it was an acupuncturist who did readings, which was not something I was necessarily into. And she said, can I give you a reading? And I was like, oh, okay. Very right. reading, very reluctantly. That's a theme here of reluctancy. And she said, I want you to know that the message coming through is you choose this and you want this. And I wrote it down and it's on a tiny little shriveled post-it that I carry around with me at all times. So just going back to what we intended to talk to you today about money, uh, I was thinking if we think back to the people who probably influence the most about money decisions, one might say parents or older brother and sister for this conversation. And when we think of our parents, to generalize, my parents met in high school they're still married. I think they dated other people at some point, but they live in their hometown. If they could have, they would have purchased their parents' home, which by the way, cost my grandfather $8,000 50 years ago. That's a deal. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> I would buy, I'd buy 10. Bit of a change yeah. from what would cost here. So relative, he also made 16. Buy me a village. Yeah. He made $16,000 a year, but also let's you know do the math on that one. They had a trajectory of, of, of what we just described, meeting each other at a young age. It was sort of understood that my mother wouldn't work, stay home and take care of the three kids. My father would work. They'd pay off their home. And then one of us would take over the family business, live in that same town, right. marry someone from grade school. We all have those friends. Yep. And maybe the financial advice that's generally out there when you turn on the TV or Google retirement plans, if you want, is probably geared towards a different generation and not necessarily our generation. Going back to the things that your clients have asked you. And that, it's such a good point to make that things do shift over time. And what worked at one point 
it might work for someone, but if it doesn't seem to be working for you, it's how do you begin to shift that is what I'm hearing. And how do you begin to get the right information, which I've been realizing more when I talk with clients is they just don't know how to get that information or their, their partner or spouse is like, why don't you know how to do this? And it becomes a very uncomfortable conversation to have that person meet you where you're at being like, okay, it, it, it can be really embarrassing to talk about money. That is a great or point. Or how to manage money. It's, it's a great point. And there is something, um, you'll find this, this is something that you might have to do more digging. And of course, I can leave your listeners and your um, clients with more tools on where to find it. But there's a thought process that is not new, but it's harder to find if you look up what we're talking about, which is the idea that if you don't know your true money philosophy and you haven't covered your unconscious thoughts about money, you're never going to be able to tackle what you want to tackle financially. That's a heavy statement to make because I'm not sure everyone has done the work, the financial therapy, the discussions, the digging to find out here's something you can start with, your earliest memory of money. That's your a parents? great question. Yeah. Because I can remember when I was a kid, my mother had this antique little cabinet and chest. I think they used to keep teas and spices in it over in England. And I was so enamored with it. But one of the drawers, you know, had this great cool shape that segmented certain areas. And then there was one segment where it was like little square compartments. And I can remember to this day... I used to hide my money in there and I would have one of the little squares within this drawer was for dollars, $5, $10, 20s. And then there was places to put my pennies and nickels and dimes and quarters. And it was like my private little bank. And to this day, actually, I went back and I still look at that chest that she has. And I'm like, I love the idea of stealing my money, storing my money in there. And yet I'm a terrible saver in a lot of ways. But what I have done, which is really funny, is I went back to my roots of being a kid and I bought one of those terrible lock boxes, you know, that had your name on it. And, and it's not lock. in her apartment, right? Yeah. And no, you have great renter's there. insurance. Yeah. No, okay. It's got this, that lock where it's like you turn it left and then you turn it right and it basically pops open anyway. Um, but I put all my spare change in there. Even to this day, I mean, there were points when I'd put a little bit of cash and it would get really big. And then my boyfriend was like, so you have $1,000 sitting in your lockbox. I was like, yeah, that's normal, right? He's like, put it in a bank. How but I didn't want it. Form- well, how formative the fact that that memory is so vividly recalled for you. And would you say it has joyful connotations to it? Absolutely. Negative? Okay, so there you go. There was something about squirreling away that money. Really powerful. Yeah. Now, as a planner, if... I'm not going to say every client needs to tell me their first memory of money, but how helpful is that as someone here to give you advice to know that that moment left such an impression on how you make decisions now, to know that you like the feeling of structure, of hiding money from yourself in a good way, that you like the feeling of organization, that you like the compartmentalization. Now, if I come in as a planner, and this leads to another point, most of us have made major financial decisions opening a credit card, student loans, purchasing a home, any financial decision. Think of your last major financial decision before me. You've probably made that decision not with a third-party quarterback, if you will, though I'm not into sports, but we'll say choreographer or someone in the background who has your interests at heart, who knows everything about your financial world, who can say, 
sounds like you're ready to make this decision. Here's a few recommendations. Now go make it. Right. And so you're not there to tell them what to do. You're there to sort of offer options that will they can then pick which resonates the most with them and feels right. Right. And if the client's not willing to go on that deep journey of that memory and how it makes them feel and how it affects their financial decisions today, we're probably I'm probably not the right planner for them. It might be someone who doesn't go that deep, who's so, someone who's maybe a little more surface, someone sure. who's a little more direct in terms of uh, this is what you should do. But for me, my whole practice is built on the fact of having you discover empowerment, educating you on the world of economics, because money is economics, but also understanding that one plus one does not equal two in the world of money. Great. Um, I love that idea of financial therapy. And that was what you called it, correct? Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit more about that, because it's just, it goes back to that idea of understanding, you called it a philosophy of money. I call it a relationship, right? What is your relationship to money? What might someone, and we can talk about this when we come back from the break more in depth, how does one get to their philosophy of money? You gave one tool of looking back sort of at your childhood. Sure. What are some other ways? I think one of the other major ways of finding out your philosophy of money is really looking at, it's my takeaway for the day, but looking at this simple question, is there more money left over at the end of your month or is there more month left over at the end of your money? So it gets to be February 28th. Are you freaking out because you don't have certain bills paid? or your credit card bill is due, or something you want to do which is major and amazing, like pull the trigger and move to a better apartment, can't happen because the funds aren't there? Or is there money left over in your bank account and you don't know what to do with it? That could actually be more frustrating, and that's where someone like a planner would come in to help you figure out where it should go. And we can talk about a very basic top-to-bottom of where the first place is you should place that excess and the last place. That is a great, I love that sort of way of thinking because a lot of people do freak out a bit going, I don't know what to do with this. I'm going to spend it. Absolutely. And that's okay. That's actually one of the things it's you can option, do. It's an option, right? Mm-hmm. It is an option, Absolutely. but you might also take part of it and send it away. I know I signed up for Acorn, which is an app that takes your loose change from your um accounts and puts it into different things like a Vanguard account and you become part of a group that gets invested with it. Um, so it's just one way to do it too, which I thought was interesting. I don't even have to think about it. I think I have $500 in there, exactly. which is great. You have to have a plan. A plan. So when we come back from the break, we're going to continue talking with Greta about how to make a plan and understanding a bit more about your philosophy on money and how to find it. We will be right back from the break. This is Alexandra Janelli, your host at the Mental Sherpa Show with our guest, Greta Zutz. And we'll be right back. (laughs) 
Visit the Theta Spring Hypnosis Store to find out more about our home hypnosis programs and detox systems. Our hypnosis programs bring the power of our therapy to the comfort of your own home or on your mobile device. Our detox system has been formulated as the first ever mind and body detox. The Burn and Build Body 14-Day Anti-Aging Detox Kit is a food-based detox that has an optional subconscious support program. Stay committed and create sustainable change while cleansing your body. Visit betaspring.com forward slash store. We have a special 15% discount for our listeners. Use promo code VA15 at checkout. When you see someone, are you seeing the person or the perception? We see labels such as fat, thin, black, white, rich, poor, but we don't always see the true identity. Listen for New Dimensions with Reverend Nicholas Barrett. On this program, we'll embrace the breaking down of societal paradigms, our norms, and acceptance of our false selves. You can find your identity the way that God intended. Forget all the labels that you think you see. Tune in every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Empowerment. Are you looking for life's answers? How about the meaning of true self? Can you really be a better person overnight? Well, good luck with that. Now, if you want to know more about this insane world and life we lead, tune in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. You'll learn about how the brain operates under different psychological conditions, some common sense. Heck, you might just actually learn something. Listen Fridays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to Metal Sherpa by Theta Spring. To reach Alexandra Janelli or her guest on today's program, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to aginelli at thetaspring.com. Now, back to The Metal Sherpa Show. Welcome back, everybody. This is Alexandra, your host at the Mental Sherpa Show. I'm joined today with Greta Zutz, who's a financial planner and everything money, who can really help, who really helps her clients begin to hone in on how to get to their goals financially in their life. And what Greta, the way that Greta works is really quite interesting and it's empowering for her clients. Greta really helps them begin to understand their philosophy on money by tapping into some of their past experiences, things that they liked, things they didn't like, times when money felt good, times when money didn't feel as good, and really beginning to work you from where you are now forward. So in a lot of ways, Greta's kind of like a financial coach, which is wonderful because that approach, it's not telling people what to do. It's giving them options on how to do it based on her knowledge and where people might need some knowledge. And so I, I really love what you do. And I think it, it's such a great thing that you're doing. And I can't tell you how much Greta has actually helped me really hone in on how to get to where I want to be both personally and with my business. So welcome back, Greta. Thank you. And I want to thank you for sharing your earliest money memory. I have mine. Yeah, please not, not tell as, us. <laughs> not as interesting, but it gives you insight into who I am. I was 12. I went to Catholic school. I was very upset that we had to take religion classes. I was very opinionated, very stubborn, nothing's changed. And I thought, 
why do I have to take these religion classes and be graded on religion? So I came home with a proposal from my mother that said, please talk to my teachers, nuns at the time, and ask them if I can be let out of religion class. And instead, can we have a class on how to balance a checkbook? Wow. Because why aren't we taught these life skills? Good question. So that's me. Maybe I had a blazer on at the time. I'm not sure. It's possible that I was so dressed we, like a little yeah, financial person. Tell with me a, a bit about, you know, a lot of people when they're growing up, they don't really get the, that information, right? It doesn't really come through. It's not a class where let's teach you about how to, my big thing is we really need to teach people about stress and how to handle stress. They're not teaching you how to balance a checkbook, Absolutely. nor do you necessarily use a checkbook as much right. now. So times are different, but if you could create a class, that's an interesting question, right? What would you teach in your class? I think I would teach the true economics of money. The fact that a lot of times people think, um, if I make this one financial decision, fill in the blank, you know, if I choose to go back to school, and I think it's a wonderful thing to, you know, promote higher education. But a lot of times when I'm working with a client who's got a lot of student loan debt, and the next decision is go back to graduate school, we might talk about the plan for after graduate school, instead of just the easy part, which is attaining the loan for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, so really having an idea that one financial decision does have a chain reaction into the next financial decision or a flow chart, if your mind works that way, because we always right. want to find out which way people learn and accept information. And really trying to see that every tiny financial decision from deciding to take money out of the ATM and spend it without tracking it or deciding to take out a loan that is bigger than maybe what can you can afford. It's wonderful to buy your first home, but if you don't have certain things in place to protect you, if you lose your job financially, got sick, got hurt, death in the family, anything like that. If you don't have those things in place first, which is what economics teaches us about money, build a moat around your financial castle, then make decisions later on about purchasing things like hard assets, but really truly understanding how the outside forces, the banks, the financial institutions, the companies, the corporations, they sort of have the main goal of keeping your money, maybe in a savings account, giving you these days, not much return. Tiny. Zero. Yep. Kids, if you're listening, yes, this is what's happening in 2016. <laughs> Making it hard for you to get to your money. Maybe it's a retirement account at work and no one explained to you that by putting in the maximum at your very young age, you can't touch that money for three to four decades. Right. And you're hit with penalties and fees, but no one explained that to you when you signed up. They just said, this is great. Um, and also not educating you. So if you're making a major financial decision and you haven't been educated on the outcome of that decision, if it seems like the return isn't that great or something that you're interested in by having no return, or if the financial institution, corporation, or even government's idea is to make it very easy for you to put your money in, but not so easy to take your money out, you might want to rethink that financial move and go back to the drawing board, work with someone who's got an economics background, who understands the economics of money, the history of money. And to be honest, that person might not be your trusted source like your parents. Well, I think it's hard, especially with your parents. There are so many components of 
you know, where they, what they learned and how they teach you. I know growing up for me, as much as my, both my parents were very in the financial world, it it just wasn't something I was interested in. Right. Right. It was sort of like, here's your allowance. And I sort of really enjoyed working, you know, for a little bit of money to squirrel it away. And then, and then it sort of left my, my scope of thought. And it it wasn't until much later that I was like, wow, I really do need to make a plan, right? Like, so it's not like people leave you a house and it just happens, right? right? Like there's no trust fund just sitting around. Not that 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 is my life. Give me a call. We'll work on that too. Right. But it was so interesting to just think about. It's like, wow, these things do take planning and preparing for. And it, that doesn't mean, as you said, doing it once you have the money. It's right. Even when you don't have the money yet. Absolutely. Because to your point, our parents didn't grow up in an era where they spent $150 a month on a cell phone bill. The fact alone that it is normal for us at a very young age moving forward in this generation on to to have one expense that is not negotiable. I mean, maybe some people's work pay for it. Maybe your cell phone bill is less than that. But I know on average, People that I talk to are spending $100 to $150 a month for something like a cell phone. And it's not really something you can operate in today's world without. Right. So if you haven't thought about, here's a quick exercise. I tell clients in my initial meeting with them, in your mind, if you haven't done this work already, give me a quick number. What do you leave need per month to live in New York City? And by it never fails. Every client pretty much says their rent or mortgage adds on another five or 600 and then says that amount. So they'll say, you know, my rent's 2,500. Oh, I have this bill and that bill. So I need about six grand. And then when we do the work of cataloging and budgeting everything that they actually need to live in a month, it's probably more than double than that. Well, it's so funny, even having you talk about the word budget, right? My initial reaction to that word is like, it's, and it's funny because when I work with clients on weight loss, I always tell them, I go, the, if you want to really be an accountant for what it is you're eating, go ahead and just write it down. Use a calorie tracker. I don't want you to worry about how many calories you're eating or limiting it, but just write down what it is you're eating so you can become accountable to it and you know where your calories are going. And you're going to be shocked that even when I sort of sat to do my accounting for my money, it's like, where is my money going? Right. I'm shocked at the amount that goes to Amazon each month, right? I'm like, wow, didn't need that or to my dog or it's so easy to spend money when you think of the the iPay and the digital wallets. I mean, I remember my grandmother going to the bank to take out cash and that was the only way she would spend money and would probably not have even understood in today's world how quickly it is. I could sit here and transfer money to you right now and not even right. have a bank necessarily at a teller involved. But the fact that it is so easy to spend our money, but the reconciliation of it is not so easy and not so fun. Well, there's no hard transfer of it. And I think as a kid, what I liked about having my money in that little box and mm-hmm. that drawer was I knew it was there and I could hold it and I can handle it. It makes it real, right? Absolutely. You don't want to let go of it. And there's something so easy with the debit card and the credit card. It's like, oh yeah, just put it on this. It's almost like fake money. Absolutely. It is like monopoly money. And for clients, I think especially in an urban environment or also when you make the switch from being a single person to 
part of something, whether it's a business, a mm-hmm. family, you have a child, you know, fill in the blank what, what it is. When you're not just making decisions for yourself, it's maybe somewhat easier to give up a little bit. Um, I don't need to spend $60 on a gel manicure. I have a child I need to feed. I mean, those decisions right. could be easier, but also the idea that making more really does invite you to spend more. And if you don't find a way to live off half of your income, really live, it's going to be hard to take the next step financially. Right. And everyone's like, oh, I'll be doing so much better when I make this much. Yeah, but waiting you for really, the future. And, right. You're waiting for the future. And that's such a great way to put it. You're waiting for the future to start your planning. But somehow we always adapt to spending at that same level of the Absolutely. Money we're making. Make more, spend more. And I think especially in urban environments, it's just it's just inviting to us. You know, I can say to clients, pick any pick any corner of the city, even, you know, an area of town where you think there isn't a lot going on, if that's any area, and you guaranteed can go from one corner to the next corner and spend a hundred dollars without blinking. No, I, I, it's true. You can't leave your apartment. I'm like, I'm not going out. Yeah. I know I'm going to at least spend a hundred dollars, which is so different than what our parents and grandparents experienced. But if we're going to them for the most financial advice or for going to them for validation, or if we're going to them for the okay on how to run our financial lives, it could get sticky. And it makes me think of this statistic. Uh, it's a really great article by fast company. It's just talking about how there's a huge shift in the workplace. If I think of my parents and my grandparents, they worked at the same job for decades, they retired on a pension, and then hopefully they live long enough to spend everything in the pension and didn't live too long and not have anything left. But today, here's an interesting statistic. By 2020, a study estimates that more than 40% of the American workforce, 60 million people, will be independent workers. Wow. And define independent workers. What Freelancers, that sole proprietors, um, people to generalize taking 1099 income over salaried income. Or another definition would be you're not receiving benefits at work. Your health insurance, your retirement benefits, your life insurance, your disability insurance, so your long-term entrepreneurship. Right is really increasing, mm-hmm. which is great. You know, it Absolutely. is a, it's a shifting place. I know being an entrepreneur myself in my business, it's incredible, but it, it comes with a risk and it does require, right. you know, having a liaison of such that gets you saying, here's how you go about doing it. But I think what's always interesting is starting with that goal and for the financial planner to understand your goal and to get on the same page with you. Because a lot of people are like, you know, parents are like, you got to save money, you got to do this. And they're coming at it from a very protective place, mm-hmm. right? They want you to have a good Absolutely. life. Absolutely. But it might not necessarily be in line with what you know of your life to be. When I work with clients like yourself, clients that have decided to leave um, a salaried same paycheck every week job, the biggest idea is how do you separate your finances from your business because it's all you. You right. make your money. You chose your hours. You chose the price point at which you provide the service. You chose to make and spend the money that you make on yourself. And usually the only distinction that you need to make is at tax time. What can you write off? What do you have receipts for? Right. But that's not actually what we're talking about. We're, receipts aside, taxes aside, 
deductions aside, those are great things that have to be addressed every year. But going back to that original conversation, are you needing six grand a month to live in New York City or the boroughs? Or is it 12 grand? Or is it 24 grand? And what do you do when you don't make that in a month? And what do you do when you make more than that in a month? Right. It's It's, having that plan. It's such a plan. And it's a lot of analytics and it's a lot of talking and it's a lot of getting deep in it. Well, there's so much shame that comes around money too, right? Like I, that, and I work with clients around this all the time that I don't know. And we feel like we should know, right? It's so silly to be however old you are, 20s, 30s, 50s, 70s. I don't know what to do. Yeah. And I'm supposed to have it figured out. I mean, I can count that the first time I had a couple client in my office, this was about six years ago, and I didn't necessarily think that they weren't going to be a couple in the future. So I learned in that meeting, always give your business card to both parties and always be open to the fact that when they separate, if that happens, you might be servicing only one part of the partnership. But in that meeting, I asked do the two of you want children? It's an important planning question. You're getting married. And the wife emphatically said, no, shut him down. And the soon-to-be husband said, I want like six kids. And I literally had to step out of the room, <laughs> wow. give them time. Um, and needless to say, the, the marriage never happened. And she's still a client. He is not. So you're responsible for at least one exactly. breakup in Manhattan now. <laughs> that I know about. That you know about. <laughs> Fabulous. No. Yeah. But it, it's good to know, right? Like, sure. you are part of people's lives. and it- Sometimes the only thing couples talk about pre-marriage is how much is a wedding going to cost, you know? And if a parent or grandparent is stepping in to pay for it, it might just be keeping yourself under budget. But outside of that, I don't know if, if couples have that discussion and it's something you can use a planner for. Throw it on a third party. Go to a really great planner who's going to sit there and ask the wonderful hard questions like I do. Right, or to even, you know... People come at it from really different places. I yep. know, you know, my ex-husband, he was very he was very financially well educated and he knew how to make a plan, but it was in such contradiction to how I sort of ran my life. And sure. it can be very hard to meet in the middle, um, which is where, you know, a financial planner, I know you helped me a lot, sort of find that middle ground for us. Absolutely. Find a path that works, which is great in so again, sometimes, financial coaching absolutely, and therapy. And, yep. And sometimes couples don't even know what questions to ask. So it, you know, you can look for lists. I, you know, I always provide my clients with lists and I always ask them after an initial conversation to go home and have some, some deep conversations. And sometimes I don't see them again and that's fine too, because not everyone's ready for this type of journey. It is about being ready, isn't it? And sort of accepting in some ways that you're ready or you need help or you don't know how to do it. It's an emotional thing to admit that you maybe don't have the tools or you haven't identified your own money philosophy. And you can do a good amount of the work, much like a personal trainer is just putting together the programming and you have to you have to do the work, actual session. Right. You got to do the work. Two more, they might say, but you're lifting. Right. Um, so you're going to have to do the work in getting out ultimate wealth and achieving financial fitness. And I suppose that's the difference in finding the right planner for you, that someone who can really customize the plan for you. Customize the plan and ask the hard questions. Right. Because it's not always about saying, here's a product, use this one. Sure. Because what's right for one person isn't right for another. Absolutely. There's certain products that maybe everyone might need to have, might. And then there's certain strategies and products that a lot of clients don't need. 
So when we come back from the break, we're going to actually talk about some of those strategies and things to think about uh, with Greta Zutz. So my name's Alexandra, and this is The Mental Sherpa Show, and we'll be right back. Anybody who does not want a better life and to be a better person? Think about that for a second. Almost everyone wants to be better, but how does one go about doing that? One thing that is making people better every week is tuning in to the Self-Improvement Show with Dr. Irene Conlon. All real change comes from within, but many of us don't know where to find the information or guidance we need to make the changes that bring about the improvement. Most of us don't know how to work within. Listen Thursdays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Visit the Theta Spring Hypnosis Store to find out more about our home hypnosis programs and detox systems. Our hypnosis programs bring the power of our therapy to the comfort of your own home or on your mobile device. Our detox system has been formulated as the first ever mind and body detox. The Burn and Build Body 14-Day Anti-Aging Detox Kit is a food-based detox that has an optional subconscious support program. Stay committed and create sustainable change while cleansing your body. Visit Thetaspring.com forward slash store. We have a special 15% discount for our listeners. Use promo code VA15 at checkout. Most of us have experienced the loss of a loved one, be it a friend or family member. There are all kinds of questions and emotional pain that we go through, but you can move on. Listen for From Morning to Morning with Rabbi Mel Glazer. It doesn't matter what faith you are or if you even have no faith. You are sure to find meaning in Rabbi Mel's words and personal experience, as well as that of his guests. From Morning to Morning airs live every Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to Mental Sherpa by Theta Spring. To reach Alexandra Janelli or her guest on today's program, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to ajanelli at thetaspring.com. Now, back to The Mental Sherpa Show. Welcome back, everybody. This is Alexandra Janelli, your host at the Mental Sherpa Show. Today, we're being joined with Greta Zutz, who's a financial planner and is helping people begin to understand how to reach their goals. Greta works in a really unique way by really utilizing and coaching coaching techniques to help people create a philosophy on money that works for them, and that really helps them move forward. And so, welcome back, Greta. Thank you, Alexandra. We were going to jump into some tools and things that people can utilize and begin to think about as they step into the financial world and planning. And I was hoping I could pass that over to you. Absolutely. I have four main ones, and we kind of touched on one of them, which is the dirty B, the budget. Budget. And that oh, brings there's up that word. so – I mean, I wish I could ch- – let's call it chicken soup. I don't know. Does that make you feel better? Chicken yeah, soup? Yeah, chicken soup. Okay. Let's talk about the chicken, chicken soup, soup budget. So if we call it chicken soup, 
people are more accepting of it. Um, though I do vividly remember a lot of times I put clients on a, it's a food diary for their spending. So I asked them, you know, track everything you've spent in the last two weeks. Then I'll take that information. I'll put it into categories. I'll put it into your budget. And at the time I had asked a client who was, um, a Pilates instructor. I said, keep a food diary. And I always explain it the same way. I said, write down the cookie that you ate, you know, be honest in the food diary. It's not a judgment thing. It's really for me to get a clear picture of where your money's going. And your value systems, right? right. What do you value in your life that, and what are you willing to negotiate letting go of and yeah. not negotiate? And maybe you're not, and that's fine too. Right. I don't want to get rid of my three massages a week. That's important, right? So she actually turned it back into me, but she had really only written down the food she ate. And I was like, oh, food diary is maybe not what I should call it for some people. (laughs) It is a true spending. It's a great metaphor. Yes. And if you also, what I'm looking for when a client does that is sort of a, a picture of their trends. I can tell by looking at two weeks of spending, what area of town you live in without knowing. I can tell if you live above a Dwayne Reed and you're purchasing items at Dwayne Reed that are way above of what you'd be spending when you can Interesting. purchase them at soap or I don't know, Target or wherever you want to go. But I can pretty much tell if that person cooks at home or not. I can tell a lot about their going out habits, if they're being honest. Like a financial stalker. I really am getting in there. <laughs> so what we're looking for, and this is something anyone can do at home. You don't need a planner for this. Just put yourself on a two-week spending diary and be honest. Literally jot it down in the note section of your iPhone, or if you're a pad and paper person, you're tactile, do it that way. Just keep one, go buy a cute little notebook at at Staples, a cute little pen. If you like, I know you, you'd probably buy a matching color. So get it to put it together, throw it in your bag or do it on your phone, guys, since you're probably not carrying around a purse and just without fail, track everything from the wine you bought to the unlimited Metro card to the Uber rides you took. Everything goes on that two-week spending diary. And you might say, oh, well, I'm not ready to do that right now because I'm taking a trip in the next week. And then the week after that isn't normal because I have people staying with me. And my challenge to you is, isn't every two-week period something? Isn't there always something, especially in this city? Right. So just do it. Take two weeks 14 consecutive days, don't miss a thing, write down everything you spend. One of two things is going to happen. You're going to figure out that you're spending money on things that you could streamline and plan better and not spend the higher premium because everyone in New York overspends or other major cities would pay for convenience, right? So if you start notching that down, I wanted to make a green juice the other day instead of getting over to the real grocery store, I stopped at the bodega and spent $16 $16 on my green juice ingredients. I did it. I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect. But in that moment, you valued convenience. Exactly. So I was okay. aware. So you're going to find out after this two-week period, you know, take all that information and categorize it. Here's what you don't want to do. You don't want to write down $200 cash. Cash is not a category. What did you spend the $200 on? And then take those categories, multiply it by two, and you have a month of spending. A bird's eye view. It's maybe not everything, but if you combine two weeks of true spending with your fixed bills, your mortgage, your rent, your car payments, your babysitter, your dog sitter, you will have a clearer picture on what you actually need to make to live. And, you know, as a coach and hypnotherapist, where I would jump into that is even to say, once you have that written out, take a look at it and see how you feel about it. 
because a lot of people are going to be, you know, blaming, shaming. They're going to fall into this sort of like, oh my God, energy and not want to even deal with it and avoid. But there's, if you can look at this as a great opportunity for you to really improve upon it, but there's room for improvement. So it's kind of like a benchmark for yourself. You got to get on, if you go back to that wonderful weight loss metaphor, you got to get on the scale to know where you're at so that you can say, hey, you know what? I gained weight or I lost weight. You've got to take the measurements. And this is something, honestly, I do myself quarterly just to see where I am. If I've taken on more responsibility financially, if I've hired an assistant, if my office rent has gone up, then I need to find that money, so to speak. Because the one thing I'm not going to give up is paying myself first. Hmm. And we can talk more about that whenever, today or another day. Okay. Um, so we're going to, this is our challenge to our listeners from Greta and I. We challenge you to do a two-week uh, bird's eye analysis of your spending. Let us know how that goes. We'd love to hear your comments and feedback. Absolutely. And then the other takeaway is if you work for yourself, if you're one of those soon-to-be 60 million entrepreneurs and sole proprietors, or there's a portion of your income that seems a little unorganized. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe you're dealing with invoices on a personal level. Maybe you're doing something in terms of a second source of income that doesn't seem that organized. Um, you might want to uh, spending apps. I have a mixed feeling on like a mint.com. I think if you're a hyper organized person, a mint.com works great. But if you're using something like an app to get you organized, it might miss the boat. You forget to update one or two things and your financial picture looks very different than what it actually is. Mm. You might want to spend the money on hiring a bookkeeping service who can teach you maybe a session or two. So it's not a huge financial outlay. I mean, I've looked at prices of bookkeepers that you can hire, not on retainer, just for a session to teach you QuickBooks. And we're talking $25 to $50 for one session. That's great. And then it really helps. Really helps. So that's just an idea. And if you're thinking that you might want to do it, I would jump into it. It's worth that one-time expense. And if it grows or is something that you really want a bookkeeper to do, you might be at that level, even if you think you're not, where hiring someone on a monthly basis, again, spend more to make more, spend more to make more, but keep it, what you're, what they're doing is getting you organized, organized for tax season, right. organized with your invoices. Uh, I recommend this a lot to my clients that are in the creative arts, they're photographers, you know, they're makeup artists, but they're tracking everything themselves and it really just gets kind of messy. So yep. that's another tip. How do you feel about those ink? Like, I know Chase offers the ink card, which for businesses automatically categorize it. I think it's great, but I think any time um, that you're only relying on technology and you're not relying on a person or a system, you just have to make sure you are very much on top of that technology. Okay. So, you know, maybe that's a step you take after you get organized, so to speak, or you have a system. If you're there already, then I think it's a great technique. You know, and I like that you're pointing out having this awareness, this idea of, you know, you got to be aware and awareness is always the key. It adds a different background chatter of doing things right after you do your financial planning. It's like, wait a minute, you know, maybe I can do that from home or I can swap that for something cheaper or there's a better way to do this. Absolutely. The more awareness you have the greater options you can create for yourself. And just because I have a specialty in working with freelancers and startup companies and sole proprietors does not mean I don't work with clients that make 
most of their income W-2 or salary or mm-hmm. have, I do have one or two clients that have been at the same job for decades. It's, it's not the bulk of my clients, but it happens. Sure. Um, for those people, and you can think back to when you've had these type of jobs, did you really take advantage of everything offered to you? No one does. I'm not saying like buy Broadway tickets, you know, those kind of benefits, but, or pet insurance, <laughs> but things like what health insurance are you enrolled on? Are you taking advantage of an FSA, an HSA, a DCA? Lots right. of letter And you acronyms. have a whole network of people to help even refer to if you don't have the answers, right? It's Absolutely. like, what do I do about health insurance? I'm an independent you know, person. If you're talking to a good planner, a good planner should be able to read a benefits booklet. It's what I do in my free time. From right. start to finish, they're usually about 72 pages long, and explain to you... Um, at the wonderful company that you're working at, what everything means. You know, I have a personal story of when I worked for a corporate um, corporation that I enrolled in my transit check so vigorously that I put in the max to my transit check because it's pre-tax dollars. I wanted to get the savings. Then I left the job, had $1,200 in my transit check account and had to spend that money in a month or I lost it. So I was literally buying people (laughs) Metro cards (laughs) and offering them to my friends. Alexandra, can I buy you this monthly Metro card? And then we just call it like, you know, a wash for your birthday. That's what I did. I mean, how crazy I should have now. Happy birthday. Here's a Metro card. So you don't want to, you don't want to overextend yourself with your work benefits and you don't want to just do something because the person next to you did it. I once saw a director of a company turn to the new, um, you know, a temporary staff person and ask them what they chose for their benefits. So not a good idea. You want to find out for yourself. And the last thing is this. There's a wonderful link on Rutgers University. If you just look up Rutgers EDU money slash risk quiz, there's something called a risk tolerance. That is a great, easy questionnaire. It'll take you about two minutes tops, and it will give you what your risk assessment is. That's something you want to know before you do any type of investing. Wonderful. So Greta, tell me just quickly, your relationship with money, how has it shifted from that time that you left the safety zone to today? I feel like I can finally understand any financial document Um, a mortgage, a tax return. I'm not the expert on those things. I mean, I mostly deal with investments and insurance, but I can read any financial document right now and understand what it means. That's so powerful when a client, a friend, anyone, a client, a friend turning into a client wants me to look at something. I have the confidence that I can read that document and explain what it means to them for the financial world. And I also, from having worked with Greta, my relationship with money has shifted a lot. It's gone from one of expectation of expecting it to be there. So you really want of having gratitude and appreciation for having it and earning it and working hard for it and spending it in ways that feels good for me too. And so it become more of a reciprocate reciprocal relationship as well. Um, so I think that's great. It's been really a pleasure working with you. And I think these tools that you've provided have been just imperative and really informative. How can people get in touch with you if they do want to work with you? Absolutely. I always give my Gmail, even though I have my work email, um, just because I think it makes me even more accessible and I want to be accessible to clients and prospects. So it's my name, G-R-E-T-T-A-Z-U-T-Z. I challenge you to find someone else with a Z-U name. Greta Zutz at gmail.com. 
Wonderful. And so you can also find Greta on the mentalsherpa.com under episode eight. Um, and her information will also be there if you'd like to get in touch with her. So uh, thank you again, Greta. And this has really been informative and I can't thank you enough. My name is Alexandra at the Mental Sherpa Show, and I'm a practitioner and owner at the Theta Spring Hypnosis and Coaching here in New York City. Until next week, have a great rest of your day. Thank you again for tuning into Mental Sherpa by Theta Spring. Host Alexandra Janelli hopes you'll join her for another edition next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time. 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Until we meet again, have a nice week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.